Welcome to How to Trade It, The Road to Trading Mastery. Join Casey Stubbs, a seasoned trader, as he guides you to become a profitable trader. Find actionable insights, real-life stories, and strategies to boost your trading skills. Don't miss the journey to trading victory. Start listening now. Connect with us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Trading profits are just an episode away. This is the How to Trade It podcast. We talk about the real stories behind successful traders. You will learn the strategies that the best traders use in today's markets. And we get those experts to show us how to trade it. Hey everyone, this is Casey Stubbs and I'm here today with Akil Stokes from Tier 1 Trading. Really excited about today's show. Thanks for being on the show, Akil. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited. I heard a few episodes and ready to participate. Awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, You know, where you're from, how long you've been trading, how you got started trading, that kind of stuff? Sure. And I'll try to give you the most condensed version as possible because I tend to ramble. But um, from the U.S., uh, from Pennsylvania, which is on the, the eastern coast of the U.S., originally from Philadelphia, moved out to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is about an hour and a half away after going to college, meeting my wonderful wife there, settling down, having kids. Very happy with my location. and It's a nice little town. I got started in trading actually right after college. I graduated college in 2007 and really had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I signed up for grad school because I got tired of people asking me, especially family members, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? And I didn't have any response to them. And it was right around the time of the recession here in the US as well. So it was very hard to get a job. And I was kind of in this limbo place where I didn't really have much to do. So I said, let's just go to school for a few more years. I'll buy some time. And in two years, I'll come out with something. And in those two years, I was working about three odd jobs. I picked up, I was working as therapeutic staff support. So I worked with children that had mental and behavioral health issues. I was a track and field coach at Millersville University, which is where I went. And I was a, I'm trying to think of a better word for a janitor, but I was essentially a janitor at night cleaning banks and preschools and finding all the fun gifts that little kids leave for you in the toilets. And it wasn't the most glorious jobs uh, set up, but I made a lot of money. At least back then, I was making about $30,000, $35,000 a year. I was young. I had a lot of energy, and that was more money than I ever saw in my life. So I was in a, a pretty good situation. What got me into trading initially was really my father. And I think I'm blessed to have a really good dad. From a young age, he always taught me about money, not to be afraid of money, how money works, starting with, hey, put your money into a savings account. And and back then you got interest, right? And you earn this much interest. And as I got older, that got more aggressive. So it went from a savings account to a certificate of deposit to a a money market account. And after I graduated college, I had a good amount of money saved up because I've always worked my entire life. I'm really frugal, so I don't really spend it. And he said, hey, how about you learn about the stock market? So I went and learned about the stock market, invested in Apple. That was the first stock I bought just because at the time it made sense. There were these iPhones that were cell phones that were big. Everyone in college had an iPod. And at the time, Apple had this brilliant idea where, hey, we're going to make a phone and we're going to allow you to put music on them. I said, okay, that just makes sense. And that was my first investment. And what happened was I found I ended up 
meeting a mentor is actually my wife now girlfriend then her grandfather type figure who was uh, I later found out he's a really big time investor real estate investor as well and he just wanted to vet me he wanted to bring me in to make sure kind of you know I was the right fit for his granddaughter and put me all through all those grilling type of lessons and we found out that we had very similar mindsets I found out that he was an expert investor and really, I used him as a mentor. I sat in his office. I was a fly on the wall. I just paid attention that entire summer and just learned and learned and learned from what he was doing. Wow, that's pretty cool. So that was back in what, 2008? Yeah, 2007, 2008. Yeah. And Lancaster is a very cool place to live, by the way. We were talking before the yep. show. I go there on vacation. So it's pretty cool. I might see you sometime when I swing by. And so since that time, after you actually got into trading, did you really take to it right away? Did you just dip your toe in? Like, How did the experience go from when you first got started? In hindsight, I had no idea what I was doing. I was actually pretty good at the stock market. It was more kind of a, a common sense type of investment style. And that's kind of what my mentor taught me. In hindsight, I didn't know anything about risk management. I was just buying stuff I thought would go up and then cashing out at random places and buying other stuff. But during that process, I started to really fall in love with it. I was always learning throughout the process, but I started really enjoying it. I said, hey, this is fun. I can make money off of it. And I started having serious thoughts about wanting to do this for the future. So I was dipping my toe in, yes, but not just in a gambler's type of sense. I was serious. I just think I wasn't very educated when I first got started. So as you went and got experience, as you started to figure out what you were doing, how long did it take you before you really got serious and you wanted to do this for a living? Well, I would say to myself at the time, I got serious like a couple months afterwards, but my actions didn't really reflect that. I wasn't taking the right actions to be serious, but in my mind, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a full-time investor, a Wall Street guy, and then blah, 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 blah. I would say it wasn't until about probably about a year later when I really started getting serious, I started getting tired of working, you know, 12 plus hours a day doing these three jobs, tired of cleaning toilets at night. And things were getting a little bit more serious with the girlfriend at the time. And I started thinking about the future. You know, do we want to live in the same place that we're living at right now? Or do I want to live in the same place I'm living at right now? When we have kids and family, you know, is 35000 a year really going to be enough to kind of pay for that? And I was really hit with some kind of harsh reality as far as red flags where, you know, young and out of college, $35,000 is great. Family man with kids is not going to really pay anything. That kind of really encouraged me to do something different. And I made the transition at that point from stocks to really short spell with penny stocks. I was really bad. And then eventually to Forex, mainly because I thought I was good. Everything I heard about Forex on the internet and from a friend of mine told me that, hey, you can make more money in a quicker amount of time with a lesser account size. And I said, this is perfect. This is how I'm going to become a millionaire in like three years. So I'm a little bit embarrassed to say that because everything I preach right now is against that type of mindset. But seeing that light, whether it was real or fake at the end of the tunnel, that's what caused me to start getting serious, at least even if I wasn't taking the right actions yet. So you said you were serious, but you weren't taking actions. What were you doing that was not in line with what you were actually trying to do? I wasn't doing anything to improve myself. I said I was going to be serious and I was just doing the same thing I've always been doing, which wasn't bad, but wasn't necessarily good. So I never really learned about risk management. I never really had any rules-based strategies or approaches or routines. There was no consistent 
way that I had of attacking markets and especially making the jump from the stock market where I was more of an investor to the Forex market where I became more of an active trader. Technical analysis was brand new to me. I didn't know anything about candlesticks, support, resistance, you know, head and shoulders patterns, any of that stuff. I was just on a chart drawing in random trend lines all over the place, just basically trying out whatever the internet told me was hot at the time. And I just didn't understand. I thought it would be easier than it was. I thought I can go into it. I'm usually the type of person where I just work hard until it works. And I thought it would be the same way. And I found out that it wasn't. I was on a treadmill. I was doing a lot of work, but I was never actually going anywhere. What were some of the biggest mistakes that you were making at that time? Really, the biggest would be having no rhyme or reason to trade. If you ask me right now, hey, what type of trader were you back then? I couldn't tell you. I was just doing random stuff every day and stuff like not even using stop losses, just like entering positions at night and then waking up and seeing what happened. And you can imagine, you know, there'd be a lot of times where it went against me and I was just, I'm just going to hold on to it until it bounces around and I lose money. And then even worse than that, there would be times where I wake up and maybe there's news overnight and boom, I made a lot of money. And, and all that did was just feed the kind of false sense of confidence that I had. Oh yeah, I knew I was good. I'm just going to do this. I learned from this mistake. I'll do that every week. I just had no direction. There was no consistency. There was nothing rules-based. There was no strategy, no routine. It was no different from me going to the casino and just getting lucky, hitting a couple numbers, and then thinking that I did it instead of just being lucky in the moment. Okay. So you used that casino analogy. How is what you do now different from say, going to a casino gambling, how is this like a consistent way to create revenue? Well, it's still a casino type of deal, but I like to think this time I am the casino instead of being a player at the casino. And what I mean by that is the casino, no matter what game you play, it always has the edge, right? The casino's job isn't to handpick kind of, oh, this person looks like a sucker. He's going to come in and lose money or this person, he's going to win. It's a numbers game where The casino has the edge, which means ultimately it will always win. It will always be profitable. And the only job of that casino is to bring in as many people as possible, keep them playing, right? That's why they have all the bright lights, the the loud noises. There's no windows. There's no clocks. Rumor has it they pump like fresh oxygen in there to keep you kind of staying in there. And when you have a strategy with a positive expectancy, it's no different, meaning that we have something that has been testable, verifiable, and repeatable, meaning you can test it in the market over time. You can verify that the results are in your favor. And obviously you can repeat it day in and day out in the market or week in, week out, depending on what type of trader you are. And as long as you're executing that plan the same way each and every time, you're not making mistakes like taking targets early or moving stops back or all the other funny stuff that traders do, you're going to have the edge and you're going to be profitable. So I think about it like that. And funny you mentioned casino because I have a buddy of mine that's a, a gambler. and We actually have a rules-based gambling approach now too, where we'll go into the casino, we'll play craps and we're very strict in rules-based and it's methodical, but it doesn't work all the time because casino always has the edge, but we don't lose right. as much money. <laughs> you can play longer. Yeah, there we yeah. go. <laughs> and you could possibly get lucky. Yeah. But right. Like you said, is there's an edge. I'm not a math wizard, but I do know that the casinos know if somebody plays 10,000 times that this is going to be the end number at the end of the day. And so you're saying you have a system that is very similar like that, where you know that if you do a thousand different trades with the current edge that you're trading, you're going to have results that are basically in the same ballpark. Correct. Yeah. If you don't learn from history, 
you're going to make the same mistakes over and over again. It would be a shame to let history repeat itself when you could have avoided it altogether. Each week, the Finance and Markets newsletter features a financial history lesson to help you grow. Go to the link in this episode's description to subscribe. So as you have been growing and developing and getting consistent, during the times where you were just starting out, was there any challenges, any horror stories about blowing accounts or wanting to quit or thinking that you were the biggest idiot in the world? Any of that kind of stuff happened along the way? Yeah, a lot. There were, you know, I'd like to think of myself as a very confident person. Even if I build that story up to convince myself that, you know, I'm a former athlete, that's kind of what we do. You know, even if we're underdogs in the games, like, hey, you know, we're going to go win this. I don't know how we're going to do it. And you convince yourself to do it. There were times where it just wasn't working. I'm grinding and grinding and grinding and seeing no results. I'm in the same place. And it starts to wear on you. And it's funny, my biggest horror story actually comes after I was a successful trader. Now, before I was a successful trader, I went through a very consistent approach of where I was a demo account king. So I swore I couldn't lose on a demo account. Everything I did would win. Probably because if it was losing, I didn't have a stop loss. I just hold it until it reversed. And then every time I went live, I would lose money. And then I wouldn't blow an account, but I'd lose you know, a good portion of it. And I'd go back and I'd say, okay, we're going to do things right this time and demo account it. And I'd be good on demo. We go live. And I blow it all. And a lot of that was due to psychological mistakes. And the biggest psychological mistake that I had was after I became successful with trading, I was managing money for a client. I had a very hands-on client who I'm supposed to be doing my thing, trading and whatnot, sticking to my plan. And I was always getting calls and texts and saying, hey, what do you think about this? Hey, you should probably buy that. Hey, you should probably sell that. And I was spineless at the time. Trading was my business. Having this client was a way for me to create income for myself. You can imagine the amount of no's. I went through thousands of no's before I finally got this one yes. And I didn't want to lose this client. So part of me was always like, okay, I know I don't want to sell this, but I don't want to lose the client either. And I would deviate from my plan. And what happened is we went through a stretch where we had some very, very good returns. And I showed the client our returns and I was trying to average like two to 3% a month. And I was very happy with that. And he's like, oh, you're on a hot streak. We should use a bigger position size. I'm like, well, no, because too much at risk. And we had a good three month stretch and, you know, drawdowns probably come in. We should probably not do that. He's like, no, 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 no. We got to make it while it's hot. And again, spineless secure. I don't think that's a good idea. And eventually we did it. And I upped the position size and we doubled or tripled it right into a drawdown. There was a natural disaster. I think it was a, a tsunami in Japan or something like that. But I remember I had a bad portfolio. I was overexposed in yen pairs. I had the same position on like six yen pairs. They all lost. It was about a $30,000 hit for the most part in like a week. And I was never more depressed in my life. Correction. I was more depressed. After that period, I was so depressed that I stopped trading for about a week. Didn't know what to do. Just moping around the house. Finally, about a week later, I said, hey, you know what? We got to get back on the horse and do this thing. What I discovered a week later is that if I would have kept trading, if I would have stuck to the plan, everything ended up reversing after that natural disaster. I would have made $60,000 back. So I would have covered for my $30,000 loss. I would have made $30,000 on top of that. And that was kind of the two punches to the face that just took me out. It was bad risk management. And then it was a psychological meltdown and then kind of, hey, if you would have stuck to your plan and did what you're supposed to do, it would have been okay. And it was bad. I wanted to quit. And I did quit for probably a couple months after that. 
Yeah, I think actually quitting is a good thing sometimes because otherwise you could go down a spiral even worse. So what did you do to get yourself out of that? Hello, this is Casey, and I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my new book that just came out. It's called Complete Trading System. This is my 25 years of trading experience sharing everything that I have learned in how to make a profit from the markets. You're going to learn about how to find the right instruments to trade, how to find a trend, how to get started as beginners. You're going to learn about how to get the right mindset and you're going to be able to put it all together to create a trading system of your own that will work for you. I highly recommend that you try it out. Just click the link right now. It's called Complete Trading System. It's available on Amazon. Thank you. Go ahead and check it out. I think you're going to love it. I went back to the basics. Becoming a successful trader, I had I ended up getting mentorship and coaching. That's something that took me to that level. I wasted about a year doing that too because I didn't want to listen to them. I was stubborn, but eventually, so it was a long journey to success. <laughs> eventually, I did, and I put myself in a position to be profitable. So I wanted to get back to the basics. So I, I treated myself. I treated it like a fresh start. I treated myself like a brand new trader. I took a few months to just go back through all the training, redo everything, reestablish myself as a trader and start trading. And what I saw was that I was still making a lot of psychological mistakes. I don't know if they were left over from that bad experience or just me doing something a little bit new. And I still wasn't seeing the results that I wanted to see. And what happened was I decided to just focus on eliminating mistakes. I reviewed everything. There were no problems with the technical analysis. There was no risk management or position sizing problems. It was just stupid errors, me doing dumb stuff, taking targets early, moving stops back, not taking trades because I'm scared, taking trades too early because I don't want to miss out. And I just, I set a goal for myself to focus on the process of trading over the outcome. I'm going to just focus on making one less mistake a month than the previous month. And if I can do that, then I'll be okay. And this was at a time where I didn't think I had any trading future. My nest egg was running low. I stopped working with the client. So I was just bleeding money because I didn't have any other income. So I said, I'm just going to do it. And then I'll go back to cleaning toilets in a couple months. And what's funny is I did this, I fully locked into the process. And I remember getting an account statement from my broker. And you know, at the time there was a lot of negatives because I was just getting in that bad place. And it was a positive account statement. I'm like, I think you guys sent me the wrong, <laughs> I think you sent this to the wrong person because there's no parentheses, there's no red numbers, nothing like that. And they're like, no, Mr. Stokes, this is yeah. yours. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. And that kind of got me the buy-in, like, man, like this process over outcome stuff really, really worked. It's just follow the plan, just execute the edge. And that was the biggest game changer for me, just psychologically knowing that. So after you bounce back from that and continue to move on, how did you get into helping other people learn to trade in through the coaching type business? Well, I got in through my mentor. My mentor actually asked me to coach a few years ago or a year prior to that. And I declined just because I didn't think I wanted to be a coach or anything like that. But he asked because during my journey, I was actually documenting it. 
by a blog post. So I was just writing in kind of my daily routines of, hey guys, I stunk today and blah, 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 blah. And people started latching onto it. Like you're getting comments like, dude, I was horrible today too. And I'm like, yay, <laughs> I don't know. So he wanted to bring me on as a coach just because he saw that connection I had with the people. I was not purposely, but I was leaving a lot of lessons each and every day in this blog post. And for me, that was just a way to journal. When trading is lonely, there's no one to talk to kind of my self-evaluation was writing down my actions for the day. And that kind of held me accountable. But he asked me to coach and I said, no, I just wasn't interested. I was managing money. That was kind of the quick way to make millions that I thought. And as this nest egg was drying out, right, my trading was improving, which was good, but I didn't have enough to live full time or do anything like that off of. And he asked me to come on and do some education. I said, you know what? I certainly don't want to do money management anymore. That experience was fresh in my mind and it did not leave a good taste. I said, let's give this coaching thing a try as well, a way to use my skill of trading to make supplemental income. And I did it. I actually fell in love with it as I saw that, hey, I was helping people and it brought a different type of value to my life. I guess with managing money, I always felt selfish. It was the goal was like, hey, Akil, make money for you. You make money for someone that's already wealthy, you know, just get a bigger cut. With teaching, it filled kind of a different gap. And this is something I've always been big on giving back in general. I just never thought of blending business with that. It allowed me to see success stories, people that are changing their lives through learning this skill. And that became more valuable than the money for me. And I've never looked back since. So why is it important for you to give back? I think it's legacy. I've never been really big about money. And I live a very frugal life. I still drive. What do I have? My wife's got a new car, but I still drive my old, right after college, 2005 Toyota Camry, right? The most basic car you could think of. And, you know, I have dreams. I want a Land Rover and stuff like that, but I just can't justify it. It works. It gets me from A to B. I don't really buy a lot of clothing, right? The shirt right here was a free shirt that someone gave me. So (laughs) I wear it. So I've always been frugal. Money hasn't really been a lot to me. It's more about the lasting impact. I've always been big on how are people going to remember you when you pass on? Are you doing something positive to elevate someone else? If I can teach one person or elevate one person, maybe that person is motivated to elevate someone else. And if we all do that, the world becomes a better place or at least a slightly better place. So that's always been big with me as far as like charitable donations, doing community service, just growing up, that's been instilled with me. I just never really thought about it from a business perspective when it came to business or just work and jobs. I just always thought you worked for salary and that's it. I never knew you can blend the two. So you can imagine when I found out, I'm like, man, this is hitting on all areas of my life. I get to do something I love. I get to do something that really fills the core values of what I believe in life. And I get paid for it. It's everything. It's the dream job for me. That's pretty cool. So when you talk about giving back again, what did it mean to you and to your life when your mentor shared with you and what he did for you? Like, How did that impact you? It was massive. The first time I met my mentors live was after we were done. Obviously, after I'd taken training courses with them, I'd worked with them and I met them live and we had a conversation and it was a conversation just about kind of why he does what he does. And it opened my eyes. It was, that was probably the moment where I knew like, Hey, I do want to not just do education, but I do want to do education with these guys because they stand for the right things. And there's a lot of scammy people out there. There's a lot of multi-level marketing people out there and, and people just out for themselves and they can care less about scamming you out of money. It was rare to find someone who had the right core value. So when I did, you know, I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to associate myself with that. Yeah. And when you were talking about people celebrating because you were writing about the losers, that could be one of the reasons because it seems like online, everybody's amazing. 
It is your highlight reel. It's your sports center highlight reel online. Everyone's always winning and then you don't hear from them for like a year. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, if you take like the worst basketball team in the league, you can still make a highlight reel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's a good take. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. So as far as new traders that are looking to get started out and even once they get more experience, what type of expectations do you think that they should set for themselves and how do they set expectations as far as profit margins and what to expect? First and foremost, I think they should expect it to take a lot longer to become good than the internet makes it seem. Well, it offends me at this point that you have any other career out there. Like if you want to be a doctor, you know, it's going to take like eight years of school. If you want to be this, you want to be that it's going to take training and progression. If you want to be a trader, Oh, you could be it overnight. It's like, no, this is a skill you have to develop like anything else. You have to learn it. You have to develop it. You have to practice it. It's not an overnight success type of thing. It's, I don't want to compare it to being a doctor because they're saving people's lives. We're not, but it's a skill that you need to train and work on. It's going to take a while. So I think having the expectation that, hey, this is going to take years. This may take a year and a half to get good at, or maybe two years to get really good at. I think having that proper expectation is going to do you a lot of good because you're not going to rush through. You're going to take your time knowing that big picture process. And the same thing with your return on investment. One of my first strategies I traded, I came in and I thought, hey, I'm just going to make 20 pips a day from the market, right? I'm going to come in. Every time I would look at a chart in whatever trade I was in, it would always go up like 20 pips. It would like eventually stop me out, but it would always go up 20 pips. So I would just say, I'm going to come in every day. I'm going to wait for the market to, to go up 20 pips. As soon as it goes to 20 pips, I'm going to snag it. And I'm going to do that five days a week. I'm going to make 100 pips a week. I'll make 400 pips a year. I'll make what? 400 pips a month, almost 5,000 pips a year. And then I had all the calculations out and I'll be a millionaire in like six years. And then I tried it. And it worked horribly, right? Because things did go up 20 pips, but they would stop me out. They'd take me down like 50 pips first. And then the next day I'd have to make 70 to make up for it. So I think a realistic return on investment, I always thought about it like this. I was told that in this industry, you're considered a good trader. If you can consistently return 2% a month, if you can consistently return 5% a month, you're considered a phenomenal trader. And obviously as a retail trader, we have a little bit more flexibility. We can do a little bit more money management based off our personal risk than if you're managing money for someone else. But still, I know I'm very happy with 3% a month. If I can return 3% a month on average, not every month, but at the end of the year, I'm quite happy with that. And if you compare it to different markets out there, you compare it to flushing money in the S&P or something like that, you'll be able to really grade yourself and evaluate yourself based on something that's legit instead of something that the internet tells you where you're making 100% a year. And the real money is that it's in compounding, right? Compounding your account, putting money, not spending your money as soon as you get it, letting your profits go back into your account, growing your account size. As you grow your account size, your position size will grow. And all of a sudden that 2% month, that seemed like nothing special. All of a sudden that 2% month, it's equaling a much bigger monetary figure simply because you're trading more in your account. And that's the real glory of it. It just takes a very long time to get there. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So we've had a really good time today. Thank you. You've shared a really lot of good stuff. And I want you to share everybody about what you do now to help people and how they can get in contact with you. Well, I help traders. I was a struggling trader turned consistently profitable trader myself. And now I like helping traders do the same thing. So we have a company called tier1trading.com. If you just go to that website, tier1trading.com, there's access to free videos. There's access to some free training. We do have a 14-day risk-free trial membership. It's going to cost you a dollar because what we found is that 
trolls do not want to pay anything to be a part of it. So by simply making it a dollar, we keep a lot of the non-serious traders out. But you can spend 14 days on the platform with an excellent community of traders, with myself, with the other trading coaches. You can watch some trading lessons. You can involve yourself in live trading rooms. It's just a good experience over 14 days to put yourself in a trading community with like-minded people that are willing to help you out and not just brag or kind of beat you down when you do something wrong. There's no auto bill or anything like that. Once your 14 days is up, your account is just canceled. No sneaky behind the scenes stuff where you get billed like a million bucks or anything like that. So tier1trading.com. You can also follow me all over social media, Keel Stokes RTM. Be aware of the fakes out there, a lot of them. So if anyone ever tries to sell you something or invite you to WhatsApp, it is not me. It's a fake. <laughs> yeah. And you still got to be careful, even if it is you, because a lot of these profiles got hacked recently oh, yeah. and they say, hey, buy my crypto, you know, or whatever. And it's not really you. Not that it was you, but other famous yeah. people that happened to. So you just got to be careful in general on social media. Sad we have to do that these days, but yeah, I mean, that's the reality, I guess. Yeah. So I highly recommend that you are listening, that you go and check it out. Tier one trading. If you're a troll, just don't bother. <laughs> he is looking for positive people that he can help out that are very serious. And so if that sounds like something you want, go check it out. Akil's got great training. He's a great guy and it's going to be a good time, good investment. So thanks for being on the show. Really appreciated having you today. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Okay, well, that's it. Until the next time, thank you for listening to the How to Trade It podcast. Thanks for listening to the How to Trade It podcast. Our mission is to help you create security in the markets. If you have a question you want me to ask my guests or a specific question you have for me, please email me at podcasttradingstrategyguides.com. I answer every email I get because this show is about helping you learn how to trade it. So again, please reach me at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Thank you. for tuning in to another insightful episode of How to Trade It with Casey Stubbs. We hope you found today's discussion valuable and inspiring. Remember, the road to trading mastery is a continuous one, and your commitment to learning and growing as a trader is the key to your success. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out to us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep trading your way to victory. Until next time.